I'm in the stands at the Chase Center. And we're doing a crossover episode right now after the Wizards 124, 110 win. I'm Fred Katz. I cover the Wizards for The Athletic, and I'm with uh, Anthony Slater. Hello, and welcome back to another edition of the crossover Warriors All-82 podcast. That's how I start my podcast, so I felt like I had to keep the streak alive. As the Warriors kept the streak alive tonight, nine straight losses in Chase Center, eight of them by double digits, three of them by 30 points. Not the sparkling debut for this majestic arena that was expected by Joe Lake. He's still sitting there, though, uh, fist pumping during the game. Eric Pascal to put back dunk to cut it within 12, and Lake comes up. <laughs> it's been quite the season. <laughs> quite quite the season for both these teams. Uh, Bradley Beal, 34. I can't believe Bradley Beal only had 34 points. If you told me seven minutes into this game that Bradley Beal was going to have 34 points, I wouldn't have believed you. Well, they started throwing a bunch of guys at him, which also opened up Davis Bertans, who had quite a second half. So, yes. um, you know, I mean, you know how the NBA works. You're going to adjust. You're going to adjust to a scorching hot shooter uh yeah what do you have 22 in the first quarter i would have guessed he was on the way to 40 um but it was it was an easy 34 he had tonight oh it was a really easy 34 he went seven for nine from three because he got hot he hit five threes in the first quarter he and he and davis bertans combined to go 15 for 19 from three first wizards teammates ever to each uh to each make seven threes in a game and and this was an, an historic game for Beal, because Beal has now scored 25 points in 18 consecutive games, which breaks Walt Bellamy's franchise record for consecutive 25-point games, set back in 1962, which is, like, kind of crazy that no one has done that as a wizard. Since, they, like, you think Gilbert Arenas would have done that or something at some point, Bernard King during his, during his bullet season. Like, you would have thought somebody would have done that. And 62 is, like... That's the year of the crazy scoring records. That's the year of Wilt averaging 50, scoring 100, Oscar Robertson's triple-double. It's crazy that that lasted for 58 years. What's he averaging uh, on the season now, point total? Near 30, right? Over 30. Over 30. He's second in the league now. So, I mean, I know, like, the whole, like, all-star snub was a big deal. Beyond that, like, if you were just starting a team next year, is there is there 12 guys you'd take over him? I mean, you, obviously, I mean, like, there's the top of the list guys. You definitely with the Giannis, the Doncic's, uh, some of those guys. But, like, I mean, he's, what is he, age-wise now, 26, 27-ish? 26. 26, like, 30 a game. And, like, I know he hasn't been good defensively this year. I know the Wizards are 30th ranked defensively. But I also know that's just, that that's not because he doesn't have defensive talent. Like, I know the Warriors aren't going to get him. I know the Wizards are obviously like trying to you know keep him locked in long term and that situation it seems like they're in a pretty decent state of their partnership right now but like him in like a I want to see him in a winning playoff situation because we're talking about a guy who I think in a winning situation around really good surrounding you know top level talent would be like a 20 an efficient 26 point per game score that would be a very good defender on the other end he'd almost be Clay Thompson you know uh Mm -hmm. The Clay Thompson that is a three-time champ. Uh, I mean, he's like has that kind of talent. We just have never seen him in a Clay Thompson type situation. Clay Thompson obviously drafted eventually into the perfect type situation for him. I mean, he is that type of talent. Well, so the conversation around Beal's defense this year, he actually kind of alluded to it after the game. He talked about how how people mark him as the worst defender in the league, and that was a reference to the fact that he is last in defensive RPM this year. Brad already is like 
out on the analytics conversation to begin with. So I am most certain he's out on that conversation. But, but you'd say he'd play, he's played poor defense, right? Of Just course he's played poor defense. But the thing that you need to have that always needs to be in the poor defense discussion is the context of the poor defense. So he's played poor defense, and it's been poor enough that it makes me wonder, okay, what kind of level is he going to get to? Because he hasn't so much of defense's habits. And I, the thing that concerns me is, okay, let's say the Wizards get back next year to playing competitive basketball that really does matter. And they're not going to play this like ridiculous up and down, absolutely no defense, try to score as much as possible defense. And they actually are a low playoff seed or whatever it is. How much of the actual habits transfer over? The, the leaving the arms by the sides, the just kind of allowing for scramble plays, the, the, the not rotating when you're supposed to rotate, that kind of stuff where it's, where, where the, the poor effort can turn into habits. And that's the thing that concerns me. But that being said, you need to put the into context. Like, we can talk about him as a poor defender, but there's a reason why he's been in the discussion as the worst defender in the league. It's not because of his physical abilities as a defender. It's because of the context of the situation, the fact that they're just not on a good team, and this tends to happen with star players on not good teams. Look at Draymond Green right now. He's had a bad defensive season. Uh, He's had a very bad season. He didn't play again tonight because I think he's kind of waiting for Steph Curry to come back because he was pretty much over not playing with Steph Curry. Um, And that doesn't mean – like. Even though Draymond, I mean, I don't know where he is on real defensive real press minus, but Draymond Green can, is not going to be where he was in past years. Um, and that doesn't necessarily, I do think, yeah, he's, he's physically declined a bit. But most of it is just like he knows they're going to lose most of the time. He has suppressed his competitive nature this season. That is what makes him a good defender. The, the brain, his very smart basketball brain has to care about the game. Uh, for him to fly around and do all the stuff. And, you know, he needs some of the surrounding talent. Like, hey, I'm going to go maybe take a risk over here because I know Andre Iguodala is going to, you know, slip in behind me. Uh, And that's what made Draymond Green so, you know, electric. Bradley Beal, to me, could very easily be a terrific defensive component of a top five, top ten type defense. Um, But he has to be willing to do that in the future. You can't blame him for this season, but, you know, he he, ha- he would have to take it upon himself if they get the right you know talent around him, which I don't know. I mean, like the Wizards to me, the problem is they seem far away from like having the right components. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the thing is that they want to re-sign Bertans. I've made this point on this podcast before many times. They want to re-sign Bertans. You commit to Bertans, they're going to have mid-level exception to work with this summer. They're going to have other certain things to work with this summer. Small cap tools and that's it but this they're gonna be over the cap i mean this is pretty much your team you're gonna have a first round pick where it's gonna be like a kind of high pick and a weak draft and 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 that's kind of it you'll have the biannual and 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 then you kind of move forward but these are your key guys and if you got bertons out there hachimura out there beal out there thomas bryan or mo wagner or whoever that center might be well, they're Bogner. just there aren't defenders around them you know they're just not there and that you need other defenders to like defend like, you know, you yeah, need to feel like you're part thing. of a unit. Yeah. Uh, you defend on a string. That's that's the expression, right? You defend on a string. You want the string to unravel. There you go. Um, what do you think of the uh, the muted buzz of the non-Steph Curry return that was supposed to be the Steph Curry return? There was, like, random, like, national reporters peppered in that you knew were like, oh, they're here. Like, oh, why did I book <laughs> this four days ago when we thought he was coming back? And, you know, like, I can see a TV – a Bay Area TV guy over there doing a stand-up that he wouldn't have been here if 
the expectation was and Steph's going to return. He's over there like, oh, do I talk about Eric Paschal? Like, he's asking about Michael Mulder in the postgame. Like, eh, Michael Mulder might get a second 10-day contract. And it's just – from somebody who this is your first time visiting Chase Center, yeah. which, it, I mean, it is a spectacle here. Yeah. Um, and you're used to the Warriors being what they were. Is it kind of funny to walk in here and you're looking at a 13 and 47 team that has two 10 day dragon benders starting and Mulder's <laughs> coming off the bench and half the rest of their rotation were you know 10 day contract guys. Their best player tonight is uh, a second round rookie Eric Pascal and I mean I know Steph's at least in the building and on the bench, but is it wild to see the state? I, it's a temporary state for these Warriors, but it's yes. quite a state it was it was funny to see the national reporters come mm-hmm. in and be like i thought steph was coming back uh what am i what am i doing here right now yeah nbc <laughs> had tom haversho fly in just you know purely to like you know be on both broadcast or like this was the this was an event and nbc was pumped because they're like wow he's coming back on a non-national tv game now it seems if all goes well monday in santa cruz uh, he's not going to play Tuesday in Denver, but the expectation, again, if all go, I'm not reporting, although some people said I was reporting this, if all goes well, the expectation is he will against the Raptors on Thursday. That's a TNT national game. And then ABC Saturday night against the Sixers. That's rough for, that's rough for the local NBC, which was hyped about. You know, every team has had rough year ratings-wise. This was at least going to be a random boost late in the season. And um, you can tell the crowd... It was even more ah uh, tonight because it was like they thought they were. I, I had a friend who I know was in the building, and he he bought a ticket yep. when he thought Steph was coming back, and I was like, no, oh, I'll still go. I'll still have a good time, drink some beers. It was like, oh, uh, it, it was more disappointing than just coming in and already knowing Steph right. wasn't going to play. That's true. That's got to suck. You buy tickets as a fan. You think he's Secondary coming back? It went up too for about forty eight hours. Oh, I'm sure he hasn't played in months, and then all of a sudden. He's out again. You're not getting him. That's yeah. got to be so unfortunate. Yeah, no, it was. But you know what? Even amidst this this horrible Warrior season, it's still a good crowd. Like for a 13 and 47 team, it's and, and like I think people forget this because there were so many bandwagon fans during you know basically from the 60, first 67 win season, like 2015 all the way through last year and there were so many bandwagoners as there are every single time any, there is any literally any great team, team yeah. in any sport ever they're bandwagoners that's what happens when you're great people want to root for great fun teams not bad ones uh but like it was it's it's a great reminder of how passionate this fan base was for all the decades leading up to 2015 because i don't think a lot of people realize in like 17 or 18 or 19 like how passionate and and good the Warriors fan base was for so many years, you know? Yeah, and, you know, it's funny. Even the last few years, obviously, like, big playoff games, it, there was hype around it. But the regular seasons the past few years, it's not like that the crowds in-game were super dull, but, like, there was, like, kind of a spoiled nature to, like, they had become a bit spoiled by Prissy. what... Yeah, what was yeah. going on, and it was like, oh, just go to the game, and they're going to win by 15 again. And uh, this year, like... What you have seen this crowd enjoy watching a watching like an overmatched team try to claw back and you know they like played the Lakers the other day uh, two Lakers games ago because they just got blasted by the Lakers by thirty but right out of the All Star break they lost by five and like 
just them coming back was like it was a big thing and i in this i think sets them up for i think this is going to be an electric arena next year because i think it has shown uh you know i guess uh the way they built the arena like it it, it sounds loud it's a few times a season uh you've really like kind of heard the noise it's felt a little oracle-y with the noise and then it's just it's gonna feel kind of a revengey, you know. I I just think next year setting up when they announce like Clay Thompson on opening night in the starting lineup and steps back, it, you know, some of this depends on what they build this summer and if they are actually good. You have to, you know, can they be a 52 win team next year? Uh, but if they are, like I think this is gonna be a good place to come watch a game next year. Yeah, I think that's probably true. Hey, fan bases in general just care about scrappiness if their team is bad. I think fan bases can accept a bad team if it's like a fun, scrappy bad team. Well, and also the suffering that comes before, you know, like the this problem last year was like their Warriors fans got to a point where it didn't feel like they had just previously suffered. I mean, obviously there was like a long-standing mm-hmm. uh, drought, but year five of the dynastic run was like, oh, here we're, we're expecting to go to the finals again. So whatever this March game next year, I know it's only a one-year thing, but this just like suffering of this season it reminds make, you of your mortality yeah it will make i think a more grateful crowd in next december 12th against the magic you know it's like oh there's clay again right. uh that type of stuff so i want to pause for a brief minute just to ask you our faithful loyal listeners to click onto the show notes for today's episode and then follow the link that's there to a very short survey You all know so much about us, my terrible puns and the things I think of the Wizards and all those other things, but we don't really know anything about you and it's going to help us to find out some more. So the survey is 11 super simple questions and it's going to take you less than a minute, I promise. So head to the show notes for today's episode, click on the link, and if you want to help us out, that would be lovely. Now back to the show. Well, I'll tell you what, this year's Wizards crowd has been way better than last year's because this year's Wizards team, while pretty much having a very similar winning percentage last year they're actually a little bit worse last year's team was 32 and 50 this year's team right now is is 22 and 37 about the same but this year's team is has gone about it in such a different way more fun style more fun a lot of young guys guys who play hard they don't defend but it's not because they don't play hard they do play hard uh they they have a character and a personality as a team and it's kind of just a bunch of spunky young guys who were fighting their asses off to try to stay in the league and last year it was the opposite way to lose it was a bunch of veterans and there was this prevailing apathy that percolated through the entire locker room and throughout that entire team and you could sense that in games i mean people can tell maybe not from one individual quarter or something but when you watch a team play 82 games you can when they don't care to that degree and they don't they don't get along to that degree they don't mesh i should say that degree like you can tell just from watching and and that was the case last year and it was just like the crowds were so uninspiring it was just like all right if jeff green's not going to chase that rebound i'm not going to yell for him to chase that rebound and that was kind of it and this year when they were when they were in close games late it's like actually pretty good like it's a pretty good crowd for a team that's you know in the state that they're in you know i'm so i'm staring across the arena over towards the bunker suites which if you are curious about the bunker suites i can tell you it's it's a luxurious place in this arena eric pascal's over there getting a little sit down very long after the game yeah with the with the local tv guy who's not getting the steph curry interview he probably <laughs> wanted tonight but um which reminds me i kind of wanted to, to ask you about pascal you know 41st overall 
really came out of the gate strong this year. When all those injuries happened early in the season, he was he was the guy that kind of led him to their first few like feel good wins. I remember he killed the Blazers in here at like thirty four. Um, died off a little bit as rookies tend to do is like you know the game after game after game comes. Um, but he to me has looked a little you know res- his season's been a bit resurrected lately. I think he had twenty five three games ago was really good in a win in Phoenix last night and. You know they lost tonight, but like he he's kind of back bullying guys a bit. Uh, you probably saw a few of those like rebound putbacks. He had like a three offensive rebound sequence. Um, I'm curious about him next year. He's probably like they tried to fit him in at the three, but him and Draymond don't really fit that well on the court together. So may, I guess he's Draymond's backup four next year. But he's a piece um, and a piece of what I think will probably be you know a fringe contender next year. He's good. Like he's like legit. He's a legit good rotation player. Also, like, how many minutes a game is Draymond going to play next year? Realistically, is it? Don't you ideally like Draymond? Don't you ideally want him at like twenty nine minutes a game, thirty minutes a game, so he can really like go all out? Yeah, not only that, but probably like sixty six games played too. Yeah, you know? sure. Like, like let let Draymond go as hard as he can for like twenty nine minutes, and I feel like that's. Now, some teams just might not have the luxury of being able to do that. You might need them to play 33 minutes in order to get to where you want to go, get into the playoffs, whatever, depending on next year goes. But, like, I feel like you, if you want to play him fewer minutes, like, he could, he could play 18 to 20 on a, on a good team, I feel like. He's, he's so strong. God, he knocked. Baby Zion. He knocked. <laughs> Zion is baby Zion. Um, he, oh, my God. You see him tonight? Again? Oh, he's a monster. He is such a monster. Yeah. What were you saying? No. Uh, no, he's just a beast. Like, he, he, he hit Troy Brown tonight. Unintentionally. Yeah. Uh, knocked Troy Brown with, a, with an elbow. And, like, I don't know how Troy Brown got back up. Like, he's just, he's a strong dude. Like, a really strong dude. 23-year-old rookie just throwing bench press out in the <laughs> weight room postgame. Yeah, no, I mean, look, like, this he arrived in NBA ready body, uh, and to me, he doesn't have like super, you know, tall ceiling ahead of him. You know, I, he's not. He doesn't have a huge amount of upside. To me, he kind of is the like. He can sharpen up skill. You just as you get older, you know the league better. Like you will become a better player from twenty three to twenty six. But um, he kind of to me mostly is the player he's gonna be in the league. But he's shown, and that's probably why he went forty one. You know. At this point, if they redrafted the lottery, he's probably going like 12, 11 right. maybe. Um, but even if this is who he is, like like we talked about, like, this is a good rotation player. Well, he's he's a floor guy. He's not a ceiling guy, right? Like floor guys always go later because teams want to shoot for the moon in so many cases. And then you got the guy with the high floor and, and low ceiling, that really small sliver of space where you're like, all right, we pretty much know who that guy is. That guy tends to fall, especially when they're 23 years old. And that's what you got here. But he's good. And he gets a TV interview post game. Look at this. He's still going. I know. This is a long sit down with Eric Pascal post game. It's, it's basically it's, been almost the whole podcast. It's. I think it has been. And it's also like, it's really late. Like locker rooms closed a while look, ago. You got Ritter over there looming over yeah. it. Like, come on, wrap it up. This is twelve You're minutes. Watching long. the whole thing. Hey, is this going to take up the entire local news? Oh, they're done. Oh, they're done. Pasco looked like he enjoyed it. He's got a big smile. He's shaking hands. I will say they have used him a bunch this year because you know, 
like the the Warriors still has there's still a lot of attention around them because of the brand that they are. Obviously, you know, there's fewer media members. They're, they've been shoveled off some of the national TV games, but there's still like a need for Warriors content by so many outlets, and there's so few bright stories around the team. And Clay mm-hmm. has completely like. I'm going on vacation almost every day of the season, so he's in the background, won't talk to the media. Steph has mostly been in the background. Draymond's not doing pretty much any one-on-ones right now. So, like, that's a nightly – like, Eric Pascal has probably done, like, 190, like, different uh, sit-downs this year. I remember pre-game they were playing New York, and he's from, like, kind of the New York area. And they had him go on MSG. It was, like, 25 minutes before the game, and I look, and he's, he's in the MSG, like, uh, booth – talking to the MSG play-by-play announcer and I'm like what are you what are they doing this, but hey there's a reason why Ritter wins uh PR staff of the year so. hey I'll give you I'll give you a chase center nugget courtesy of John Wall uh John Wall was in the media room at halftime yes he was it's the first time I've ever seen him in the media room at halftime do you want the brownies they got pretty good cookies and brownies he wanted the popcorn that's all he described he he is he has named the popcorn at Chase Center as the best popcorn in the league. Said he doesn't even need to have dinner tonight because the popcorn is crack. Wow, uh, he should. I would like to get Steph Curry's opinion on this because Steph Curry is like the the resident yeah. like popcorn expert. New York Times did like a they like literally sent him a list of every arena and like with five different uh, I guess categories of like crunchiness, saltiness, like you know warm is it stale and he like literally went through all all the arenas and like ranked them so I, I, we should probably ask Steph yeah he might have he might have a home bias though like when I talk about like media dining you, the beat writers are always more prone to dislike their own media dining because you get sick of it quickly you have it all the time you know so yeah. I feel like he might have a might have a home bias maybe that's a story maybe you interview Maybe that's the story we do on The Athletic. You interview Steph, and I'll interview John Wall about the popcorn at the Chase Center. And then we run them. I'm in. <laughs> I'm in. First, I want to see Steph Curry play a game. Yeah. We'll see. Coming soon. We'll see when it happens. Uh, anything else before we wrap up? Not from the Warriors' side. They are now 13. Oh, how about this? They're now uh, 13 and 48. Uh, four wins behind the Wolves, who are losing a ton lately and don't have Carl Anthony Towns. Um, so they still have that cushion. Uh, the Cavaliers also at 17 wins. So the Warriors are still in absolute prime position for a guarantee. You know, worst record in the league, which is a guaranteed top five pick. Um, but Curry's coming back. I don't think the Wolves are going to win many more games. I don't think the Cavaliers are going to win many more games. And the Warriors play the Cavs in here, which might be a big lottery game. Come, I believe it's April 5th. So that's kind of what I guess I'm monitoring at this point. You? I got nothing. I'll be back. So I'm not podcasting after the Wizards' next game. They play in Sacramento on Tuesday. I won't be podcasting after that one. The next episode, I'm going to be podcasting after the Wednesday game in Portland. So that'll be up for Thursday morning. Uh, If you want to subscribe to The Athletic, if you're just listening to this podcast, either on the Warriors All-82 feed or on the Wizards After Dark feed, you can subscribe to The Athletic and you can get 40% off. Either uh, if you're listening on the Wizards After Dark feed, you can subscribe at uh, theathletic.com slash Wizards After Dark and get 40% off on an annual subscription. And uh, what's your what's your promo? If site? you're so inclined, that same uh, promo, but instead of Wizards After Dark, do Warriors 82. There you go. 
So you can go to theathletic.com slash warriors82 or theathletic.com slash wizards after dark. It's 40% off on an annual subscription to The Athletic on either of those. Uh, go on iTunes, rate the two podcasts, give it five stars, leave a review. That always helps. When are you going to be back next? Great ad read. Um, Denver, <laughs> Tuesday. No Curry again. He's not traveling. Draymond Green is traveling. He might play. Um, this is a good Denver team, and they don't have many bodies, and they're kind of waiting for Thursday night, so might be an ugly one. Yeah. Well, like I said, not back after Sacramento. I'll be back, I guess, for Thursday morning, podcasting after the Wednesday game in Portland. We will talk to you guys soon.